the U.S. federal government once again is running up against its debt limit. For now, that's $31.4 trillion. To understand that number, write down 31, then follow that with 12 zeros. Yes, 12. Then add another $400 billion. That works out to be about $375,000 of national debt for every family of four, like a modest to large mortgage. How long would it take you to pay that off? Should we be concerned about it at all, though? And if we should, well, then when and how should we address it? Is the moment now or is it really a non-issue and should we just quit worrying about running the balance on the national credit card ever higher? How the combatants in the federal government choose to resolve these questions may send the markets into another leg down. Conversely, they could send them powering higher. Stay tuned as we discuss the nature of this showdown and how it may be resolved right now on the Retirement Lifestyle Show. Welcome. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lungani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work toward your ideal retirement. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams. Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. I'm your co-host, Roshan Lungani, here with Adrian Nicholson and Eric Olson, ready for another great episode for you today. How are you doing, Adrian? I'm good. I'm ready for today's episode. It's going to be a good one, a topic that we haven't addressed in a while, and I'm really looking forward to it. Glad you're all here. As am I. It's good to be good to be back. I wasn't here last week. How how are you doing, Eric? You ready to go? Absolutely ready to go. Yeah, looking forward to the episode. Yeah, excellent. We've got a great topic for you today that I think is very timely and important to think about, which is this debt ceiling debate. And I think it's important for you to consider when you're making investment decisions, even if that decision is is to hold. I typically like focusing on longer term versus shorter term issues. However, in this case, I think this shorter term issue with what's going on with the backdrop economically could be a lot of risk in in the markets in the in the US equity markets and really the US economy overall. So guys, let I'll jump in just with a definition of what the debt ceiling is and then we can discuss this topic. So the debt ceiling is the limit that the US government has, the US Treasury has for how much money can be borrowed. They'll use that money to finance current policies, they'll use it to uh, to pay interest on existing debt and in January, technically we hit that ceiling, but the Treasury is able to do what's called extraordinary measures to extend the time that Congress has to act. Fast forward to where we are now in May, and Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, came out and said we could hit the debt ceiling as soon as June 1st. I remember when this happened in January, they had said somewhere between June and September, So, but they don't know exactly when because there are a lot of, a lot of moving parts. So Adrian, I'll start by asking, asking you a question, really just initial thoughts or concerns on this, on the debt ceiling. Well, the initial concern is, is there going to be gridlock? Is there a potential default that's going to happen on the debt? How is this going to impact rates? inflation, just the overall economy, that's people's concern. And with that comes, like I mentioned, uncertainty. And as we all know, markets hate uncertainty. So that's why investors are very concerned about this right now. 
Yeah. And this has been something that has happened many times, the, the, the debt ceiling being raised itself. 78 times since 1960, the Congress has ra- raised or intervened in some way so that the government could borrow more. And it, it wasn't a, an ish, it, was, it was a routine thing in the past, but over the last, I'm estimating the time frame, but over the last 20 years or so, it's become a negotiating point in Congress that really, for me, drives me crazy when I look at it because I, I kind of think, you know, do your job, pass it, and move on to keep the economy going on. You're being focused on the, the economy first. Eric, what are some of the risks that you've seen if, they, if it isn't raised quickly? Well, I guess one risk is is that if the federal government were to default, that's the biggest risk that that should would send a very powerful signal to the rest of the markets as well as to the rest of the globe about the capacity of the United States to maintain its position as a stable, you know, developed economy. And also this has a very adverse signal about the nature of the polity itself and whether or not we have a a workable political system and a governing system that can, as you just said, do its job to pass budgets and spending that's aligned with the the long-term policy goals of of the people of this country. Yeah, agreed. That's a huge one. I was Yellen's quote, so Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's quote was, it could cause severe hardship to American families harm our global leadership position, and raise questions about our ability to defend our national security interests. It could be a coincidence, but I mentioned this on a previous episode, de-dollarization and everything going on around that. But I, I am concerned that that's a risk both to national security and the global leadership position, two of the points that, that Yellen just made. And I think that that's it's no coincidence it's happening at the same time. Now, that's my opinion. I don't have data to back that up, but it, it, it sort of makes make sense to me. So I'm definitely concerned. Back in 2011, when they had the, these issues with the debt ceiling and you know, the, the politicians you know, went, to, went to battle over it, S&P lowered the federal government's rating, the federal government's credit rating. And recently, Fitch, another rating agency, had said that they will consider or question the U.S. government's rating as well if there is an, a persistent dysfunction, is the is the word used. So, you know, if you lower the cre- credit rating, now I remember this happening in 2011, and what was a surprise to, to the markets at the time is when the credit rating got lowered, Treasury prices went up. People were it was a flock to quality, the price going up means the yield went down. And usually that's the opposite. When the credit rating goes down, you, a lower credit, you should be pay higher interest. But I think that this time, if there was kind of an issue like this, I do think it would be different because of inflation, the Fed raising rates and everything going on. It would just make sense to me that that the yield should go up if the rating went down again. But there's no. It was a surprise in 2011 what happened. So we could have another surprise with this. Yeah, that is a big risk. And like you mentioned too, the dollar is something that people have to look at here as well right now. If the government does default on its debt, it's a lot of issues right now. The dollar could weaken, and that would really impact how we import goods as well. And that would 
just drive inflation even higher when that's just a big concern right now, where the Fed is trying to raise rates right now. We'll see what happens today to lower inflation. So it's just a lot of things that investors really need to keep at top of mind right now, too, especially when it comes to the positions they're in and what they're investing in as well, because if a lot of these U.S. treasuries, just U.S.-based companies are really getting impacted by this, you could see people going to other other areas just to diversify more or just find safer areas right now if these historical, historical assets, which have been so safe, are at risk right now. So that's why we're really just having this conversation. Well, I take a little bit different view than the view that I think I've, I'm hearing you express. It, it is not that the debt ceiling and running into the debt ceiling and not passing uh, not passing an, an, a, a raise or a, a, a lifting of the debt ceiling, that that's the one and only question on the table. When in 2011, we had this showdown, if you'll call it, what the, at the time, the national debt was roughly one third of what it is today. We have a national debt that at this stage is over $31 trillion. At some point, you have to ask the question, is it, is it supportable as a civilization to be indifferent to the level of debt? And it's... Well, so what I've seen from my research, it really matters about how your GDP is. There's a ratio with your how much debt a government's taking versus their GDP, where if a country's GDP is just extremely low and they're taking a lot of debt, then it's really risky for investors to look at that place to put their money. So that's also something people really need to consider as well, where I'm not saying just run up all this debt as much as possible because we have a strong GDP, but that's something that would really be something important for people to look at here right now. Well, let's let's just, I mean, if we can, let's get into the politics of it a little bit. I think you would agree that at both in 2011 and 2000 and now here in 2023, the essential conversation has been a Democratic administration and allies in Congress have been for less spending restraint. And the Republicans have been saying this is not workable, that we have the, the spending, the pace of spending growth like it is. And in both instances, what or at least in the case of 2011, what culminated from that showdown was a, a sequestration process, which essentially said, aside from entitlements, by that I mean Social Security, Medicare, and some other things that are baked into the spending, other sort of so-called discretionary spending, including defense spending, would be would be restrained in such a way as to lim- produce less spending, hence less growth on the debt. In this instance, again, the proposal is to say, let's freeze, and it's various forms, but let's freeze the spending at 2022 levels. Or, or build a budget that's at 2022 levels. And then again, aside from entitlement spending, have the budget increase by only 1% per year. Well, As, uh, Eric, I think contr- the path you're going down, mm-hmm. to, though, in general, I think is the issue that has been debated. That is the debt ceiling conversation, the time and the place to have these policy conversations, right? And And when is the... Go ahead, finish your thought. Well, to your question, the rest of the time of the year, 
<laughs> you know, we're not dealing with this every year. And and I think in particular right now, I I don't think it's the time time in the place. And I'm not saying that I'm saying this party agnostic. Right. It's like you're, we're dealing with inflation. We're dealing with the fastest Fed rate hike ever. We are on the edge of a recession. Is this the time and the place to play politics or do you just pass this and handle it later? Right. And and the argument could be, well, when is when is later? I get I get that. And I'm not saying kick the can down the road forever. I'm I just wonder if now's the point. Another interesting thing I just want to add in, just with the 2011 conversation before we move on, Adrian, I looked up the debt to GDP. In 2011, it was 89.55%. Now we're at the highest ever in the United States, 126.39%. That's based on micro trends online. So I haven't been able to verify that by a secondary source this quickly. So the debt to GDP ratio does appear to be a problem now, which Eric, to your to your point, maybe now is the time to argue about about raising it. The second thing I think is worth noting as well, though, is after the market's gone down as much as it has had, while we're comparing to 2011, I don't have the the number. I'd have to look it up, but it's just the statement that it was the worst week in 2011. The debt ceiling standoff was the worst week of the S and P 500 than any other since the financial crisis so going back to 0809 that yeah, may not be a big time that. frame i'd have to see the numbers to see the magnitude but well when from the time that markets peaked just immediately prior to that that market reaction mm-hmm. to the bottoming a few weeks later or maybe two three months later it was about not quite a 20 percent decline nine months later the market was back where it had been and continued to march higher i'm not saying that that's that's necessarily what you know that's too small a data point to necessarily infer that that will happen in every single case but just coming back to your point about is this the time i would say once upon a time we had a budgetary process where congress the president would would outline spending priorities the congress would develop a budget proposal with a number of bills to fund different activities of the Congress, there would be votes on those on different activities of the government, I meant to say, there would be votes to authorize or whether to pass the bill, then to authorize that and then to appropriate money for that category of spending. Anymore, the budgetary process is completely broken down and there is really no budgetary process in the usual sense of the word, at least historic American sense of the word. It is more often a omnibus like we had passed at the end of 2022 or continuing resolutions which just say we'll do what we've done and we're just going to add a certain amount take that as a baseline and then add an, an inflation or increase factor to it and then that's that's it so i think what i think what we're we have as a civilization to decide is what is the limit and how do we reach the limit and especially if there's a d- deep division as there seems to be about whether there should be any real limit that's you know we had this conversation as you might remember on the modern monetary theory episode that we did last year that it philosophically where's a there is a deep divide so uh, anyway let's let's talk about some of the things that might that could happen here so one thing that could happen is just as you said that congress capitulates and uh, approves an increase in the debt limit Another could be that the that and that could happen either in the normal way, although I think that would be the death knell for Speaker McCarthy 
because his caucus, at least many members of his caucus, would view him as ineffectual in pursuing their agenda. The second possibility would be that the Democrats can use a bit of a, an end run. It is There is a mechanism that even with a majority of the House being Republican, that there, especially if you had a few Republican defectors, it is possible that they could do that. Another option, though I think it's unlikely, is that President Biden could authorize the printing of a trillion dollar coin and then deposit that with the with the Federal Reserve. And with or, and at that point, then there would be an additional capacity of a trillion dollars to continue to pursue spending because they've paid down the debt with that one coin. And there's also the possibility that they do come around this proposal and that the President Biden, who said he would not negotiate around the the adjustment of the spending, might actually do so, although I think that's also very unlikely. So th- there's any number of possibilities, but in terms of market reaction to this, I think there's initial market reaction to the perception. Then the, I think we also need to talk about the market reaction to whatever is happens at a substantive level. So there are some people who have said, what if indeed the Republicans were successful in negotiate in producing some degree of negotiation that first was in the House and then went to a conference committee with the Senate and led to some restraint on spending in the manner similar to that of sequestration in 2011? Would that what would that do? Well, one thing that might do, and it depends on how the CBO and others who score these things score score it, but it, if you use a static scoring system, the simple fact that you would then reduce fiscal spending over the next decade would, all else being equal, produce a, a prospective reduction in the GDP growth rate. Why? Because having one less category of, of fuel for the economy, namely government spending, that would reduce growth. And perhaps I think others would say you need to use dynamic scoring and reduced spending by the federal government would actually create less competition for credit, which would then allow the private sector to actually do more. And it might surpass that. I'm not here to enter, to entertain or resolve that argument. I just want to acknowledge that there is both static and do- dynamic scoring. So the other the other element of it, this is, is I, I would say that if indeed there is some sort of hit, once again, as you mentioned with Finch, a Fitch ratings to the credit quality of the United States, it may be that that makes borrowing a little bit more expensive. And that also would be hard, harder for the, the, for the economy to work its way through against that headwind. Well, the borrowing costs, I think it's, it's worth noting. I, I don't know that everyone would know this. That would impact the borrowing costs of the government. But Interest rates on everything else are typically based on treasury yields. So that means higher borrowing for consumers on mortgages, credit cards, auto loans. So this is not just a government issue. This will trickle through the entire economy into all the citizens in the United States. So we talked about a couple other things with with what could happen. We mentioned the financial markets and you had mentioned that decline in 2011 borrowing costs, social security payments could be delayed in the default scenario. 
because they wouldn't have the money to do it. Now they'd have to use the entitlements trust fund, but that's already, that's set to run out of money in a little more, about 10 years actually now. And so that'll just accelerate that, that process, right? And every other time it's happened, the reason this, this debt ceiling conversation drives me nuts every time is they're, they're going to approve it, right? How, what they're going to do to, to approve it and how much they're going to negotiate and fight and how many American lives they're going to impact along the way is the only question, right? It will be approved. The debt ceiling will go up. It's gone up every time. And I remember here, you know, being in the DC metro area, we have a lot of government employees and a lot of contractors that work for the government. And what would happen is government employees don't go to work. They're at home. They're not getting paid. So their finances are impacted. They'll go, they'll go to work. And then the, go- the Congress will approve to give them all back pay for the time they missed. So all those dollars are just wasted by the taxpayer. Those government employees get their, get their payback. All those contractors, though, they lose that money. They don't get, they don't get paid. And that impacts the overall economy when you talk about how much consumer spending is is impacts the u.s economy right so it that's why to me this seems like when i said the time and the place it, it literally is all to me seems like political posturing versus productive uh uh negotiation so that that's and one other item i'll add on that is is a is also worth noting is that federal employees and veterans benefits also get get impacted right they will they won't see their pensions their disability payments those will be those will be delayed so th- this is definitely a scenario to me where you've got these people who are very minimally impacted making a decision that will impact a lot of Americans hugely and i think they i, I think they just take it too lightly all right well I don't have anything else really to say to on the topic, but if you, you guys have more that you want to, you think is important for our listeners to understand, let's let's identify that. Well, I'll just add on to what Roshan said, and just overall, what we're talking about is there could be a lot of short-term pain and and market til- market volatility depending on how all of this plays out. Where I think you mentioned Roshan as well, having a long-term perspective on this is just extremely important when it comes to this polarizing topic. Yeah, and we we talked about this on our stage of the bear market episode, and this is a great time to put our disclosure and disclaimer in there. This is not advice. This is simply sharing our research and our analysis and our data and, and, and so on with you. We also had another listener comment this on that episode, the stage of the bear market, which is maybe you know, it's a time where cash is king, right? You're getting decent yields on your cash. You can wait out some of this. And I'm by no means advocating, hey, sell everything, go to cash at all. What I am saying is you look at your portfolio and you look at your cash position and you you decide, is this a good cash position to have or not right now? And maybe you wait it out and not necessarily just waiting it out for things to smooth, but there, there may be opportunities that arise from it. You know, there may be investments, stocks that you were looking at before that were too expensive that might not be as expensive going through this. So trying to view this as a potential opportunity as well, as opposed to just, a, just the potential risk that's out there. And gentlemen, I believe everything on my list that I have for us to cover on the debt ceiling has been has been touched on as well, similar to 
to what Eric had said. Adrian, how about you? Do you have any other additional pieces to add? No, I pretty much covered everything on my end. Hopefully it's a non-issue and we're worrying about this for for no reason and they just they just they just pass it and then in the future we'll say that was a waste of a half hour episode that we did. I hope, but we'll see what happens. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Retirement Lifestyle Show. We'll be back next week with another great episode for you and focus on on your long-term long-term goals. You can have what you want and we hope we can help you get there. Schedule a conversation with Roshan, Adrian, or Eric today at retirementlifestyleshow.com. Roshan and Eric are certified financial planner practitioners. They, along with Adrian, are investment advisor representatives and serve clients across the U.S. with financial planning and investment advice through RTA Wealth. If you found this show helpful, gain knowledge, or enjoy the time you spent with us, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, to download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, to ask us a question or to schedule a conversation, go to retirementlifestyleshow.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arate Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arate Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. The show hosts offer investment advice through Arte Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor, and securities through Arte Wealth Management, LLC, member FEMRA, SIPC, and NFA. Finally, our music is The Chance, by Jason Shaw in Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube Audio Library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. I am Ray Voices. Thank you for listening.